Now, if you wanted somebody to know something, think about what you would do. What would you do if you wanted somebody to know something? I'm not saying you want to share information, okay? Listen, when I get up on Sunday morning, I don't want to just share information. I want you to know something. I don't want you to believe something. That's not what I'm talking about either. I'm not talking about you believing it. I want you to know it. I want you to know stuff, like when you leave this this service today. I I want you to get it. I want you to grasp it. I want you to say, that's true, and and not, not what I'm saying. I want you to know stuff from the Word of God. If you want somebody to know something, then you'll do whatever it takes. You know, you, you don't write a quick text to somebody and send it if you want them to know something. You know, you might do that, but there's going to be a lot of other things with it. You know, you, you might write an email or actually write a letter. Anybody know how to write by hand anymore? You know, write a letter, put it in the mail, you know, the stamp on an envelope and all that. If you want somebody to know something, you'll go to extreme lengths to make sure. I mean, you want somebody to know that you love them. You know, you don't just send them a quick text that says, I love you. That might be a reminder, but that's not really what you're doing. That's not how you're really going to get them to know that you love them, okay? So it's like this morning, I, I don't know if you realize, but all week long as I'm getting ready for these moments, you know, that I come and I'm standing before you, I'm thinking about this. Is how can I get these people to know, not to just understand and not to just believe, but to really truly know what it is that God wants us to know before we leave this service today. And Matthew is that way also. Okay, the past two weeks, we had Mark and we did Luke. They wanted to tell us some things about Jesus. But Matthew wants us to know something specific about Jesus also. And, and, and he does everything he can through his writing. And if you, if, you, if you don't know this, there were four men, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who wrote the story of the life of Christ. We call them the four Gospels. And they each wrote kind of, kind of from a little bit different perspective because they, they each wanted to tell us something different about Jesus. And so today we're going to look at what Matthew wants us to know about Jesus. Not what he wants us to hear or understand, but what he wants us to know. This is truth. It's, it's, it's the Word of God. It's, it's God-inspired. It's, it's breathed by the Holy Spirit right through the hand of, of Matthew to say, this is, tell us what Jesus did, and he wants you to know. So let's show, you know, now, Mark, you know, he took, he took three verses to do a little bit of an introduction, you know, and, and Luke, he kind of took just a quick moment, but Matthew, he jumps right into his message. Okay, verse one of chapter one of the book of Matthew, he says, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now he goes through the next, almost the entire first chapter, he spends showing us how Jesus traced his line, his family traced his line all the way back to David, all the way back to Abraham. Okay, so he is, okay, he's a Jew because he goes all the way back to Abraham. He's, a, he's the son of, of the promised people, but he also traces his, his lineage back to David, King David, you know, that beloved king, the one, you know, Saul was the first king of Israel, but, but you know, Saul messed up. God said, look, I, I, I got to get me another king, a king that is after my own heart. And he found David and, and David began, was the man that was after God's own heart and sought after him. And the most beloved king of all of Israel and, and, and every other king that Israel ever had came from, came from David, that line. And Jesus is part of that line. So he wants us to know that. And so that's what he tells us in chapter one. Then chapter two, you know how chapter two begins? A little bit of the Christmas story, you know, not the shepherd part, but you know, the other, the other visitors that came to see Jesus, these, we, we, we often say three wise men, right? We don't know how many they were, but we often say three wise men. 
And after, it says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews. We saw his star when it rose, and we come to worship him. And, and, and a lot of times we, we tell that story, or, or we remember it, and we talk about how they came to find the baby. Didn't say anything about a baby there. They, they didn't say we're looking for a baby. They didn't say we're looking for an infant. They didn't say we're looking for a family. They said we're looking for a... You see what they're looking for? You see the word right there? That's a big word right there. So we're looking for the king of Israel that has just been born because we've seen his star. We've come a long way. 40 plus times in the book of Matthew, he uses the phrase, kingdom of heaven. So, uh, most of the time, he's quoting Jesus as saying, the kingdom of heaven is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. Let me tell you about the kingdom of heaven and, and the son of man coming the kingdom of heaven. Sometimes John the Baptist also used that and, and the disciples also used it. But over 40 times, Matthew tells us this. And you know why? Because Matthew wants us to know he doesn't want us to understand. He doesn't want us to have the theology. He wants us to know that Jesus Christ is the king. And not just any king, not just a king, not just one in a long line. He is the culmination. He is the finality. He is, he is the last one in that line of David of all the kings of Israel. He is the king of heaven and of glory, and the king of kings and, and the prince of peace. He, he's over all of the universe. He wants us to know that. But he's not the only one that wants us to know that. You know who else wants us to know that? Jesus himself. I don't have time to give you all the scriptures, but I'm going to give you three real quick. Jesus wants you to know he's the king. Now, this isn't like, you know, Jesus is bragging on himself. Hey, guys, I'm the king. It's not that. He just, you need to know this. There's a reason. It's, it's important that you need to know this. And I'm not just talking, if, you, if you're a Christian, yeah, you definitely need to know this. But if you don't follow God, you need to know this today because, I mean, this is life to you. This is power to you. Three scriptures right here that, uh, that Jesus tells us about Jesus, things that he said and things that he did. And in chapter 26, verse 64, this is, this is like the night before Jesus is being crucified. And he has asked the question, are you the Messiah? Are you the king of Israel? And he says, you have said it. You know, not, we don't kind of talk exactly like that these days, but he said, you said it. You know, what you said is right. Yep, you said it. You let the cat out of the bag right here. Anybody in the room knows it now because you said it. He said, you've said it, and in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting in the place of power at God's right hand and coming on the clouds of heaven. Here's what Jesus is saying here. He is claiming that he owns a throne in heaven. He's letting you know, he's letting us all know, I got a throne in heaven. I, I, I know, you know, I've let you beat me up, you know, all night long. I've let them hurl insults at me. I've let them accuse me of all kinds of things. And, but I want you to know, I got a throne in heaven. Okay, so he is declaring that he is king. And not just king of the, uh, of the stuff that you and I see, but he is king because he has a throne in heaven. And then in, in chapter 28, verse 18, this is right before he leaves this earth, after, after he has died and resurrected and about to leave this earth. He says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Okay, so he, he declares, I got a throne. And, and then he says, I've been given all authority in heaven and in earth. Do you know what, do you know what that means, what he's saying there? He said, I've got all authority. I've got authority here and I've got authority there. I've, I've got authority everywhere. I've been given all of a, all the authority. Would you say something with me? I want, you, I want you to repeat this after me. Jesus is king. Come on, say it. Okay, you can do just a little bit better than that. David helped me really big, but I want, you, I want the rest of you to help me, okay? Jesus is king, Jesus is king. Over, everything over everything in my life. 
You need to know that. You don't need to just write it down. You need to know that. You don't need to just, just accept it. You need to know that. He is king. And you, you might say, well, no, no, no I, I don't want him to be king. It's not whether you want it or not. He is king over everything in your life. It, it doesn't matter if you're walking after him or not. It doesn't matter if, if you're living in obedience or disobedience. So you might be in total rebellion against him, but he's still king over your life. You can't get away from that. He's the king. All authority is given to him in heaven and in earth. So everything about your life, he is king over. Let's say that may be bad news to those of you who want to do it your own way. But for those of you who are in battle, those of you who have problems, those of you who are, who are struggling with life, that's the good news is to realize, hey, wait a minute. This one that we've been praising this morning, he's king over every single thing in my life. Every problem. You, you raised your hand a few minutes ago, right? What'd you raise your hand about? He's king over that. He's king over that. And whatever you had in your mind, whatever you had in your heart, when you raised your hand and said, I've got a need, I need God to do it. He's king over that. Let me, let me give you some good news. Grasp this. Hang on to it. Know it today. He is king over whatever that problem, whatever that need is that's in your life. He is king over that. He is the king. And, and he didn't just say it. He declared it in those first weeks. He said, I've got a throne. I'm king. He didn't just say it. He proved it. He proved it there, and there in chapter 28, we see it, verse 6 specifically, kind of tells us what happened. Jesus was crucified. They laid him in a tomb. They rolled a stone across uh, the doorway so that, you know, I, I don't know if we do that to keep the dead in or the live out, you know, whatever, but, but they did it so that Jesus' body would stay in there specifically. They did it. But on the third day, on Easter, he rose up. You know why he did? To prove to you he was exactly who he said he was. He is king over heaven, over the earth, and even over hell under the earth. He is king of life. He is king of death. He is king of sickness. He is king of sorrow. He is king of it all. And he proved it by getting up on the third day. Know this, that he is king. He wants, you've got to know this. He wants you to know this. And I'm, I, I, have, I have really no other purpose today other than telling you, you need to know Jesus is king. Why is this important? One little word. Here's why this is important. You need to know this. Here's why it's, you know, it ought to be important to you. It's important because he's king. He's to be worshiped as king. Here's why it's important to you, though. A little word. Authority. Because kings have authority. That's why it's important. Okay, get this. I'm going to preach some good stuff here in just a second, okay? But let's finish laying this out. I got, I, I got something really good here to show you, okay? Authority. Three things. When you have authority, that means you, you have the power or the right to do three things. Here's the definition. That you have the power or the right to give orders, to make decisions, and to enforce obedience. When kings rule, they make decisions. They, they, they give orders. They say, this is the way things are going to be. And they have, the, they have the ability, the power, and the authority to enforce obedience. If you don't do it, they throw you in jail. Or they take your head off your shoulders. You know, they have the authority to do that. So when the king speaks, it's going to happen. I mean, when the king says it, you know, nobody in the kingdom, they don't sit around and wonder, well, you know, the king said this, so I wonder if it'll really happen. If the king said it, everybody gets busy about making it happen. And, and the king of glory, the king of kings, when he speaks something, the angels of heaven, they don't stand around and they say, well, I, I wonder if that's really going to happen. They start getting busy about making it happen. 
And I mean, we, we read a lot in the Old Testament, and we, we see spiritual battles taking place, and, and when these battles are happening, and God decides, okay, I'm ready for this to be over, and he speaks, it is over. The angels, they don't stand around to watch. The angels, they gird up, and they get their swords, their swords and, and they go to battle, and they fight the battle to make happen what he said is going to happen because by his authority, it's going to happen because he's the king. So what does he do with this authority? Glad you asked. You did ask, right? You wanted to know, right? Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, Jesus calls his disciples together. And he gives them this authority. Now, catch, catch this, okay? He gives them authority. He doesn't just give them a promise he doesn't just give them an ideal, oh, here's the dream of what, guys, this is what we need to work for. And, and listen, dreams are important. Vision is important. Mission statements are important. But Jesus is not giving them a mission statement. He's giving them authority. He, he, it says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. He gives them authority. He takes the authority. And, and what authority does he have? All authority in heaven and in, and in earth, everywhere, and he gives it to his disciples. Now, and you and I, we're just we're a continuation of that line. Jesus was a continuation of the line of David as the king. You and I, we're a continuation of the disciples. He gave them authority. And as his disciples, he also gives to us authority. Now, the next 19 verses of that chapter, I don't have time to read them to you. I, I, sent, I sent a message to the prayer team this, uh, this week and said, hey, read chapter 10. Be praying with me d this week, Matthew chapter 10. You, you need to read it, but I, I'm going to give you some of the good stuff right here. The next 19 verses, here's what he tells the disciples. He says, go tell people help is finally here. Now, he says it a little different way. What he says is go tell them that the kingdom of heaven is here, Okay. And what that means, though, is help is here. Jesus, as the king of the kingdom of heaven, he is here. Help is here. That's what people need to hear today. People need to hear that help has shown up. Shown up. You've got help in this life. And how, how do I know? I know that because I'm experiencing it every day. The kingdom shows up in my life. The kingdom comes uh, when I need. I've got help. Help is here. And that's the first thing people need to need to realize, and I got a long list, you're going to see a long list, fill up this page here in just a second, okay? You got a long list right there, but the first thing you need to know about Jesus is he brings help to you. He is bringing help, and it has shown up today because he is here. He has come to this earth. The help is finally here. What, what, what's your need? You raised your hand a minute ago, right? What's your need? Help is finally here. He's here. And so then he tells them, go heal the sick. Go heal the sick. Now, 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 see what he says here? He, it, the way he says it, I mean, when you read the verse there, he does not say, go tell the sick they can be healed. That's not what he says. He doesn't go and say, and say go and, and preach to them that I have the power to heal them. He doesn't say, now go tell them about that, that scripture over there in Isaiah where it says, by his stripes you are healed. That's not what he's saying. Jesus does not say, go encourage them and help their faith grow so that they can also be healed. That's not what he said. He gives them authority and he says, now go heal the sick. He says, go do it. He doesn't say, tell them so one day they can believe they might be healed. He says, no, go heal them today. Oh, somebody needs to understand this. You know, he says, he says, I believe in the book of Romans, he says, now is the day of salvation. 
not somewhere down. He wants you to know this today. If you're sick in body right now, today, this moment is your moment of healing. You, you need to anticipate and expect that. He didn't say go and, and let them know. And, and because here's what Jesus was doing. He was sending them out in the places where he was about to go. And he was saying, go preach and, get, and, and, and tell them, you know, the help is finally here. And heal people and get ready because I'm going to come in right behind you. And so it would be really easy for us to say, okay, well, I know what Jesus is saying. He's saying go out there and tell them Jesus is coming to heal them. That's not what he said. He said, you go heal him. Who did I tell you? Which lineage or which, which continuation are you and I a part of? We're a continuation of those disciples. That's who he's called us to be. We're his disciples. We're his followers. And so what he calls us to is to not just tell people that there is healing available. He calls us to pray the prayer that actually brings healing power into their life. And somebody here today that you're sick in body or whatever other needs you've got, you know, go ahead and listen to it. I'm going to show you a bunch of things over here in just a moment. But you need to just get this idea that, that I didn't come to church today just to be encouraged. I didn't come to church today just to hear that there is a possibility that my need could be met. I'm here today because I know Jesus wants to meet my need. And not somewhere down the road, but even right now, right here in this service, Jesus wants. I know that this is why you're here today, is to know Jesus' will. Not know that he can, not believe that he might, not believe that it's possible, but to know Jesus' will. Know Jesus' will by his authority. And he, he says, just, and just as, you know, this is not a suggestion, this is like an order. This is like a king sitting on the throne. And he says, go heal people. Go find people that are sick and heal them. Yeah, and, and, and then uh, the third thing he says, raise the dead. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Check, we check out on that one, right? Now he tells us raise the dead. He's telling these guys, go raise the dead. We don't, man, we don't have any stories of what happened on, the, on this missionary journey. I mean, think about it. Man, we, we need to get to heaven, and we need to ask these guys. And when Jesus told you guys, go out there and heal people and raise them from the dead, you guys didn't write any of what happened on the road that, those days. You know, tell us about it. I, I want to hear these stories. Because Jesus told them, go raise the dead. Raise the dead. By what authority? By the authority of the one who sits on the throne of all of heaven and all of earth. He says, go raise the dead. And, 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 you know, and I, I, I've never been prompted. Uh, you know, I've been in a lot of funerals. Somebody was asking me yesterday how many, uh, we were at a wedding. Somebody asked me how many weddings I've been to and how many funerals. I ain't got a clue how many I've been at. But I've been in a lot of funerals, and I've never had God just nudge me and say, hey, go over there and raise that person out of the casket and bring them back to life. I, you know, I hope if God ever tells me that, i got enough faith to go over there and at least try the prayer, right? You know, because if he tells me to do that and I try the prayer, I believe it's going to happen. But I've never had that happen. Let me tell you what I have had happen. I've had God tell me, go pray for somebody, that there was a part of their life that had died, and God brought it back to life. Their marriage had died. Their relationship with their parents or with their kids, it had died. Their finances ha had been destroyed. It had died. And God spoke and said, go pray. And we went and prayed. And life came back into that dead part of you. And so, yeah, I I've seen that. I've been there. And so your whole life may not be dead today. But if you've got a piece of it that is dead, you understand he has given us the challenge, the call, the anointing to pray the prayer that brings that dead back to life. 
And, and then he says, drive out demons. Is that, right? is that next? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, let me, I'm getting ahead of myself. Cleanse leprosy. Okay. Cleanse leprosy. This one's interesting to me. I had to look at it just a few moments. God, what are you telling us here? Because you've already told us to heal everybody that's sick. Well, lepros, people that are lepers, that have, have leprosy, that are leprous, I mean, they're sick. Why do you single this one out? And, and as I began to ask God and talk to him, you know, Leprosy was connected to, it was, it, it was a sickness that was connected, at least in ideology, to uncleanness. Because when you were, when you were leprous and you had leprosy, you were considered unclean and you could not come close to God. So look at what he's saying. He's talking about, you know, heal all the sick, but he's saying also those things that we have brought upon ourselves that have made us sick or unclean and we cannot approach God that we bring things on ourselves and we get so weighted by the burden of all the stuff that we brought on ourselves, we, ju we just can't even look up anymore and say, God, help me. You know, there are people like that. If you don't know it, and some of them are sitting on the row right behind you or, or across the aisle from you, that because of stuff that has happened in your life, you, you, you feel so weighted down by, by maybe even your own sin or just, or just uncleanness or, or just that of, of the people who are around you, and that you're so weighted down that you know, and, and it's like maybe a spiritual sickness that you just cannot look up and say, God, I need your help. There are people sitting here right, just like that right now. And you're saying, I, 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 just, I just can't look beyond this, this struggle, this battle, this, this spiritual sicknesses in my life to see that there is hope, to see that there is life, to see that there is joy again, that one day God, I just can't even begin to believe that. And it is these that God is telling us to, you're anointed. Now get out there and touch those lives and change that. You know what? There's a prayer team member. For those of you who, who, I, just, who I was just talking about, there's a prayer team member who has been praying and believing God that they're going to have the opportunity to pray with you today to get over that spiritual sickness that is keeping you from receiving and accepting and knowing that Jesus is the one to do this. And he says, drive out the demons. Okay, drive out the demons. By what authority? By the one who has authority in heaven and earth. And, if, and I don't know if you remember, but the pits of hell are in the earth, okay? The spiritual, all this spiritual talk about what, that, so he's, he's also the king over hell. He's the king over the devils. He's the king over the demons. He says, go drive them out. A lot of us, we have problems, and we pray the wrong prayer. See, we're praying, you know, like me and my wife, we fight all the time, you might say. You know, and so, and so we pray that we pray we don't fight. God, please help us not fight tomorrow, but there's a deeper problem than burned toast or him not taking out the garbage. You know, that's not really the problem. If, that's, if that were the problem, get up and make your own toast. You know, take the garbage out, quit asking him to do it, and problem solved. But that's not the problem, is it? Burn toast and taking out the garbage is not really the problem. There's an issue be, behind or deeper than that. And so we say, yeah, you know what, we, we really need some peace. And that's true. A lot, a lot of us, our, our lives, our situations, just that we need some peace in our life. And so we, we need to ask God, God, give us some peace once again. And sometimes that's, that's, that's what we need, but most of the time, it goes even a little deeper than that because the reason there isn't any peace, many times it's not because there haven't been enough prayers for peace or because she burned the toast and he took, didn't take out the garbage or whatever, but that there's a spiritual battle that is deeper than the peace that is robbing that peace from you. 
There's a spiritual battle going on that is keeping you that, that you know, it, it, when you get married, you know, just take, for example, a marriage and you're having problems in your marriage. When you get married, one of the things you need to start doing, if you hadn't already started doing this, you need to, you need to start a daily regimen of cherishing that spouse. And when you, when you stop cherishing them and thinking of them in good terms and, 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 and encouraging yourself to love them every single day, it's real easy for a devil of hell just kind of slide it right beside you and start whispering, yet you see he didn't take out that trash again. You thought you just had a problem with not having enough peace. There is a spiritual battle that is going on over your marriage to destroy your marriage. And you need to, you need to pray more than God send more peace, more peace, because God can send all the peace you want into your life. But if there's a spiritual battle that is destroying that peace, more peace tomorrow is not going to fix it until you get the devil or the, the spiritual uh, we- weapons that are being formed against you. Until you get those things under control, it's never going to suffice. There are spiritual battles taking place in many of our lives. Oh, and you, you sometimes know, say, I, well, when do I know it's just this? Just ask. God will show you what it is. But most of us can know because of the magnitude of it because of the enormity of it, because it seems like I pray this and it gets better for a moment and all of a sudden it's out the door and it's gone again and we're, you know, we're back at each other's throats or whatever need it is. It doesn't just have to be you know, a problem in your marriage or whatever, but it just, it just constantly comes back. Why does it come back? Because it's more than just a burnt toast. It's more than just something like it's a spiritual attack. And you know what Jesus says? He says, I've given you authority. Now get out there and drive the demons out of people's lives, out of their marriages, out of their homes. out of their... He gives us that authority. And we are part of that lineage that he has handed that authority to. We're part of that. And, and then he says, uh, bless freely, right? Bless freely. He says, you've been, you've been blessed freely, so now get out there and bless others freely. You, you've received freely. Now get out. And this means through our means, by the stuff that we have? When's the, last, when's the last time that you heard God say, buy their lunch, and you did it? You might not have heard him, in a long, heard him in a long time because the more and more that you ignore the voice of God, the quieter it gets in your life and the harder it is to hear because whatever you listen to is like the more and the more that you listen to. You know, I, 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 I'm a little bit of a, I guess I, I used to be a student of music, you know, and I was a minister of music for a while, and, uh, you know, I played in, played in bands, and, you know, and, and so, I, I, you know, I kind of was in a place where, you know, I was, I was picking things, I was hearing things other people couldn't hear. I'm not, I'm not really a student of, of music anymore like that where I'm picking out things other people hear. Sometimes I'll hear somebody say, hey, did you hear that? And, and I didn't hear it. I, I didn't pick it up. You know why? Because I'm not listening anymore. And so the things I'm listening to, they begin to get louder, and the things that that I'm ignoring, they begin to get softer. The same thing happens in the spirit realm. The less you pay attention to the voice of God, the quieter it gets because then the things that you're listening to get louder and louder and louder. The, 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 the things that you watch and the things that you fill your life with in, in, in your social settings and, and, the, and the stuff that you do the, and the stuff that you fill your life with, those things get louder and louder and louder and the voice of God gets soft. How long has it been since you heard him say, go bless somebody? You know, and let me give you a way to get that started again. Is don't wait for him to speak. Don't wait for him to say, go buy their lunch. Go to Jack's tomorrow morning to get on, your, on your way to work or whatever, you know, or wherever it is you want to go. 
and, and pull up into the drive-thru saying, God, put somebody behind me to buy their, buy their lunch or their breakfast today. And don't even wait for God to speak it. Just say, God, I'm getting here in the middle of this for you to let me bless somebody. I want to bless somebody. God, just give me somebody to bless. I'm not waiting on you to tell me who they are. Just put somebody there. I'm going to do it, God. I'm not waiting on you to tell me to do it. I'm going to do it. And, and as you start trying, and listen, it can, be, it can be a lot of other things in your life, but when you stop hearing the voice of God and you can't hear him anymore, and it seems like all the, the things you've got to do is you've got to start putting yourself out there and say, God, I want to do something today. And if I don't hear your voice, I want to do it. Just put somebody in my way and let that happen. We need to bless with our means. We need to bless with our words. You know, instead of telling a kid, you know, you can't do anything by yourself, can you? You need to tell, you need to tell a kid, hey, let me help you do that even better. And not just with kids. I mean, that, that's obvious parents to kids. But even, even, even out here in the community, we're supposed, we're supposed to bless. We're not supposed to be cursing people, but we do. Oh, you might not use those four-letter words. You might not use those that we use initials for, you know, and then we put, out, we put all the little other little exclamation things in there so that people don't know what we're saying. But we curse them. We curse them when we say, you know, you are so stupid. Oh, I got I got listen, I, I'm sorry. I get in traffic sometimes, and I, I, I have to confess. I have to, I have to repent of these. There are some stupid people. Oh, see, i got to repent again right here, right now, right? There are some stupid, you know, it's like, duh, come on, wake up. And you know what? We, but when we do that, it's like, we're speaking negative and cursing over, and maybe we're not, maybe we're not powerful enough to really impact their life. But you know what we've become? We've become curse speakers instead of blessers. And he's called us to be blessers. We need to bless the people around us, you know? And, and I, I think that's where that thing came, you know, that, you know, that, you know, when people say, bless their heart, you know what that means, right? You know, they ain't got a clue, God bless their heart. They don't know how to do any better. God bless their heart. You know, tell you something, I believe that's biblical. I believe that's spiritual. It's to see people that cannot do it on their own and to somehow get a blessing to them. That's what he, bless freely. Uh, let me hurry right here. He says, be wise and innocent. Did you know you can be both? It's actually wise to be innocent. Think about it. It's actually wise to be innocent. That way, when everything's falling apart and they start pointing the fingers, they say, uh, no, he didn't do it. He wasn't involved in whatever that was that, you know, in this big mess in your life. No, nope, I was not involved in it. I was wise enough to be innocent. And then he says, be on your guard. You, you, you know, you need some knowledge every once in a while. You need just operating some knowledge to say, okay, here's what I know is happening. And be on your guard of what is going on. I talked to the men yesterday at, at our men's breakfast. You weren't able to be there. Let me say this real quickly. You are the point man, dad, husband. If you're a male, you're the point man for your family. Get out on the porch and pay attention. Be on guard and start and say, God, I want to know Jesus so I can also know all of the attacks coming against my family. Be on the spiritual porch of your house. Don't be back in the recliner in the man cave, spiritually speaking. That's where a lot of us are. Come on, amen or oh me. We need to get out of the man cave, spiritually speaking, get back to the front porch and say, God, make me aware of what the devil is trying to do against my family. Whether you're married and whether you've got kids or whether you're single, you're the man. You're the point. Get out there and do it. How am I going to do that? The last thing he said, the Holy Spirit will lead you. He says, some of you are going to get arrested. No, uh, uh, I'm sorry. I apologize. He didn't say that. He said, when you're arrested. 
He didn't say some of you are going to be arrested. He said, when you are arrested, they're going to be, when, you, when you start telling people the good news is here, the help is here, some of them are not going to like it. And when you get arrested, that's real exciting, isn't it? See, we, we, get so, we get so worried that people aren't going to like us. Hey, when you tell somebody, no, that's not quite right, sweetheart, they're not going to like you. But you got to speak what the truth, the truth that God gives you in your heart. This is the lineage we have a part of. And we speak the truth. And, and the struggles you're having, they don't belong to somebody else. They belong to me. I, I, you know, the struggles you're having belong to you. The struggles I'm having belong to me. And people don't like that. And so when they, when they arrest you, maybe, and they throw you in jail, they were literally thrown in jail. Sometimes you might just get kind of thrown into a social jail where you just get ostracized or something. When you are arrested, here's what Jesus said. Don't even think about what you got to say because the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say right then, right there. Look at all this. Could your life be better if all this started happening in your life? What would your life be like if all this started happening? You know what? This, this is not supposed to be an abnormality. This is not supposed to be what happens to other people. This is what happens to those who are given by God the anointing to live their life in the authority of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. These are the things that are supposed to happen. Because what he did right here is he gave the authority and then he said, now go do this, 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 this. With a full expectation. You've heard that word probably about ten times now in this message. With a full expectation, it's going to happen. When Jesus said, go heal the sick, he, he wasn't thinking, I wonder if they're going to do it. No, they're about to go do it. I'm going to get out ahead. They're going to heal the sick. They're going to drive out demons. They're going to raise dead things back to life. It is about, there was an expectation. I want to ask the prayer team to get in place if they will right now. They are standing up right now. They are walking down the aisle. They are walking to the edge of the... And you know what? They're doing it. We prayed before this. We've been praying for the last couple of days over this message. And we prayed before this service day. And I said, I want you, everything you do, we're doing this with expectation today. They're moving in place right now with expectation. Because they know you, you, you raised your hand. You said, man, i got a need. And you know what? It's not a, it's not a possibility... It's a reality. You need to know Jesus will meet your need today. You raised your hand. Did you raise it with expectation or did you raise it with hope? Take the step beyond hope to expectation and believe today. And I, 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 there might be just a little bit of a, of a hesitancy from some of you, a little bit of an argument, a little bit of a rebuke or rebuttal here to say, now nah, I, I don't know, that was just for those disciples right then, wasn't it? So you need a little more convincing so that you can know this is what Jesus wants for you too. All of these things right here is what he wants for you too. You see, because I believe that God has done and is doing something very special at Church 2911. I don't have time, but I could, t I could ask somebody right over here to stand up. I could ask somebody right over here to stand up. I could ask somebody right over here to stand up. I could ask somebody right back there to stand up. I'm looking and seeing specific people. And I could tell you story after story after story after story. I could, I could point out some of these right here and tell you story after story. And say, I, I know that God is doing something very special at 2911. He is bringing dead things back to life. 
He is healing spiritual sicknesses, people that felt like they could not speak to God anymore, and he has healed and brought, and brought that life. And I, could t- I believe God is doing something, very, but I want to give you scripture for it, okay? Because I don't want you to believe what I'm saying. I want you to know Jesus is doing this. Okay, there was a parable that Jesus was telling. All right, last scripture right here. The parable that Jesus was telling. In the middle of this parable, here's what he said. This is in uh, chapter 21, verse 43 of Matthew. Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. There's the promise. I'm taking the kingdom of God away from people who don't believe me, and I'm going to give it to people that produce fruit. I just told you, 2911 is producing fruit. 40-something percent of you were not going to church anywhere before coming to 2911. That's been one of our dreams, our prayers, one of the things God has called us to be and called us to do. We're producing the fruit of the king, and here's the promise. I'm taking it away from people, and I'm going to give it to those who will produce the fruit. There's the authority that we've been given as a church. You understand this? These prayer team members are standing here in the authority given to them, the kingdom of heaven, because we're producing fruit. He said, those that produce fruit are going to get the kingdom of heaven. And we're standing here today in the full authority of the kingdom of heaven. Not just praying and hoping it will, but praying and knowing Jesus will. Stand with me. Please, we stand all over the room, please.